0: again, ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 109 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. As always, I do hope you've been enjoying this little tale that I've been weaving in the Fallout universe. And As always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, either at fanfiction.net, org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All your comments are welcome, and I always enjoy reading to see what you guys are thinking. And if you do pop over to ghost, uh, ghostnobody.com, Check out *Storm Rider* while you're there. You know, with big moody dragon-esque girls, orcs and elves and demons, and magic and, you know, planet hopping, fighting the forces of death and zombies is your thing. Check it out. Pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And also while you're there, pop over to the ghostly link section. Check out Mortis, my original fa- original works on either uh, smashwords.com or Amazon. Pick yourself up a copy and help support me. Keep me doing what I love bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all Bethesda. I just keep the crazy tales. They're all mine. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 109, Operation Scorpius. All right, people, listen up. Colonel Carter said loudly as he approached the podium in the briefing room. Before him were 48 of the Enclaves' most highly trained and dangerous soldiers, and another 20 of their Spectre teams, who were not officially part of the ESF, though they often worked closely with their teams to provide them active intel in the field. The Spectres were often referred to as the Spook Squad by ESF agents, due to the highly clandestine nature of their work. Predominantly, they worked either alone or in pairs, And their job, while simple on paper, was probably one of the most dangerous and intensive that the enclave actually dealt with. Their job was to infiltrate locations and organisations and to act as advanced recon and, where needed, spies, gathering intel on organisations and potential targets to advance the enclaves of gender, whatever that may be in that location and whether that was locating valuable infrastructure or technology that the teams could then move in and secure ahead of the main force. Two, identifying targets of opportunity that the either the ESF or they, if they were alone enough, could take out, and weakening any potential op- opposition in, to enclave control in that zone. To say the Spectres were tough, and indeed dangerous, was an understatement. But to see so many of them in one place was a supremely rare occurrence. Though the same was true of the S.F. soldiers currently sat before him as well. Usually he would see at most 8, maybe 12, if the situation called for it. But 48 of them was almost unheard of. But orders had come down from both the generals in command and from the weapons division. The number of high-priority operations needed handling immediately. And in Carter's mind, this was the quickest and most effective way to get the job done. OK, you're most likely wondering why in the flying fuck so many of you are here today. Hell, half of you probably forgot that other teams actually exist by now, Colonel Carter said, getting a few half-hearted chuckles from the gathered operators. Well, the answer to that is simple. Our glorious leaders, in their infinite wisdom, have deemed it necessary to go after multiple targets all at once, due to a recent incident and a couple of current ongoing situations. So, please reach under your chairs and retrieve your briefing packs, but do not open them yet. These packs are classified and top priority, and an absolute secret. Anyone found Dial in the contents to anyone outside of their assigned teams? Well, I'm sure I don't need to explain to you the penalty for treason, given one of your jobs is to actually hunt down traitors. Carter said, giving everyone a chewy smile, which combined well with the hard glare that he swept over the room to really convey his point. The stony faces in the gathered crowd told him that his point was loud and clear, so he continued... There are going to be four operations going live, and the four room has been divided into four. One quarter of you will be assigned to Operation Gladius, another to Operation Beachhead, the third to Operation Glass Eye, and the final to Operation, Co- Operation Scorpius. He continued, clicking a metal control button on the podium. which fired up a projector that lit the wall up behind him to show the names and colour assignment each of the operations. Gladius was red, beachhead blue, glass eye green and finally Scorpius in yellow. Each of these operations is of dire importance to command, so it's imperative they're met with success, hence why all of you are here. You will give me access to all the resources you will need to complete these tasks, and I cannot impress upon you the importance enough of haste in these matters. Command wanted this shit done yesterday, and right now they're so far up my arse about getting that done that I have a new appreciation for what a sock puppet feels like. Carter said, getting a few more chuckles this time. You are the best of the best of what this country, and indeed this organisation, has to offer. I've personally assured Command and indeed the paranoid walking-talking lab coats over at the Bioweapons Division that you guys are not only the best at what you do, but will get these objectives done so quickly they'll barely have time to sign your requisition forms before you're handing the gear back in and grabbing some well-earned R&R. Getting some cheers to that one. Alright, here's the line-up. Captain Brown, you're in charge of Gladius. Captain Summers, you've got Beachhead. Captain Penfold, you've got Glass Eye, and Captain Lana, you have Scorpius. Each of you is assigned a briefing room for your team to go over the details, a card to which is strapped to the bottom of your briefing pack. Don't fucking lose it, and the packs stay there. They do not leave those rooms, and you are not to discuss the details with any other person outside of your assigned teams. Alright people, let's get this shit done then. Dismissed, Carter said, snapping into a crisp salute which every person in the room returned before they all split up and began filing out of the room towards their briefing rooms. Captain Lanner looked down at the small plastic card now held in his hand. It was gold with a large black four printed on it on one side. Guess this means we have room four then he said to the soldiers and specters now gathered around him as they walked out into the corridor of the oil rig that served as one of the Enclave's secure command posts. They used to only have one of these facilities, but a few recent pushes from the Brotherhood of Steel on the mainland had caused command to re-evaluate the position of having a few of these places dotted around the coastline of the US because they were remarkably easy to defend from incoming threats, as they could only well come in from air or sea and visibility was good around them in every direction, 360 degrees around the platform, allowing for a full round defence to be easily set up. Lana pressed a card to the reader next to the door with a large white 4 printed on it, and the little LED on the reader changed from red to green, with an audible click to show that the locks were now fully disengaged. He held the door open while his guys filed in and found themselves some seats around a large oval-shaped table in the centre of the room, before finally allowing it to swing shut and lock behind him with an equally audible loud click. As he looked around he saw the three ESF teams, one of which was his own personal team, and along with five Spectre operators, all now seated and looking at him expectantly. All right, people, let's pop these packs open and see what our glorious leaders need of us this time and why so many of us are needed. It must be pretty big if they feel the three SF teams and five Spectres are needed to get it done, though, he said, striding to the head of the table to take his seat before finally opening his own pack. Inside of the pack were a series of printouts and pictures, as well as satellite photography of what appeared to be a briefing holotape. He reached out and popped open the hollow player drive, which was set into the table a foot from him, before inserting the tape and closing the drive. On a screen mounted next to the door the tape began to show images of what appeared to be rather large rad scorpion. Or well, so he thought, as it swiftly became clear that this was no normal rad scorpion. <laughs> Greetings, yellow team. This here is Homo sapiens scorpius. Now, as I'm sure you're fully aware, and indeed probably well acquainted with humble rad scorpions, which are commonly found all throughout the wasteland that is currently the mainland US, but I highly doubt you've seen one of these before. The unknown female voice narrating the briefing said, while images flicked from rad scorpions to what looked like some kind of armoured human at first, until they realised that they not only appear to have four arms but what looked like a long tail with a stinger attached to it. The quality of the imagery was not great, and quite clearly showed a large group of the figures whose upper arms appeared to have large armoured pincers instead of hands, while the lower set of arms appeared to be somewhat familiar, and had familiar shaped hands, though they only appeared to have two large fingers along with an opposable thumb. Their heads were human-esque, though they appeared to have what appeared to be multiple sets of eyes, along with large mandibles around their mouths. Their legs were also much larger than a of armoured plates, while their most defining feature was the long multi-segmented tails. They all had protruding out of their rear ends, and was tipped with a large and vicious-looking stinger. What intel we have on these elusive creatures was liberated from the Brotherhood of Steel, who lost a patrol to them. And this is all contained in your briefing packs. But, from what we can tell, the creatures have up and moved from their original location at the edge of the Mojave to an area near Boston, where they have recently been sighted by a different set of the Brotherhood. We believe the reason for this mass exodus and migration was due to fear of reprisal from the Brotherhood. So in an effort to escape them, they crossed an incredible amount of distance in order to elude them which indicates a very high degree of intelligence, in that they left their original habitat and sought one vastly different in order to throw off their potential pursuers. We indeed have a great interest in these creatures for our bioweapons programme. So, it is your job to not only locate them, but to capture as many living and unharmed specimens as is possible to extract, the female voice said before abruptly cutting off. So... We're going hunting for human-shaped scorpions, one of the members of the team said. A Latino woman by the name of Rosita, raising an eyebrow at him while speaking. Hey, I don't give out the jobs, I just get the glorious job of making them happen, Lana said with a shrug. These fuckers must pack quite a punch if they feel that 12 of us and five of these guys are needed to bag and tag them. A surly man by the name of Larsa said looking at one of the printed out pictures of the Scorpion hybrids closely. Well, we know they took out a Brotherhood patrol, and as much as we take the piss out of these meatheads, they don't go anywhere without packing some serious hardware. So, if they can not only ambush, but take out a heavily armoured patrol, then yeah, my guess is they're not just a threat to be taken lightly. Lana said, looking at the map, the suspected last but known position of the hybrids ringed in in red. The terrain appeared to be far to the north of the Boston area, near the mountains. Lots of caves there, so good terrain for them to hide in. Captain, if I may, one of the specters said, gesturing to the paperwork, and Lana looked up to see a woman in her mid-twenties with a hard expression on her face and a sharp, intelligent look to her eyes. ''Of course, go ahead, Spectre, he said, finishing fishing for her name at the end of the sentence. ''Cromwell, sir,'' she said, picking up the large map in the area that had been in the side of the pack and unfurling it, walking across to a large whiteboard and affixing it with some tape to it. ''Well, the way I see it, there's multiple settlements in this area, so the locals are bound to have gotten some kind of glimpse of these creatures.'' I highly doubt that a group this large moved in and went unseen. The intel says the group is possibly made up of over 300 individuals, which is a sizable force, which for my money explains the team size here today. I would hardly recommend setting up an FOB here to this old satellite facility. It would certainly have the infrastructure we need to set up an area-wide comms network, as well as to get one of our guys on SIGINT duty so they can possibly crack into and listen in on the local Brotherhood comms, while the rest of us canvass the local settlements for any potential intel. Meanwhile, UESF guys can set up a QRF from here so that we can respond at a moment's notice, the inspector said, pointing to the various points of interest on the map. Lanner nodded his head while scratching his chin. Hmm, a sound plan. It'd also be a good idea to possibly lay out hands on some sentry bots to help us hold the facility. As from what I've read lately, there's been a lot of large increase in super mutant activity in the area. Might also be worth looking into what local assets we have in the area and pumping them for potential actionable info. Causing Cromwell to the head, causing her large black braids to swing in motion with her head. A sound strategy. But I do think we need to address the real elephant in the room here, she said, and Lan looked at her with a raised eyebrow. Oh, and what elephant is that exactly? he asked feigning innocence as he wanted to see exactly how much he knew about the current situation happening down in the Boston arena. The situation involving a pair of escaped bioweapons, an MIAS ESF team, and to be fair at this stage, though it's most probable they're KIA and the fact that we're going to be operating within that same arena. She said, taking Laner aback by how blunt she was about it. These specters really did take their intel gathering very seriously, even within the enclave itself. He sighed heavily and nodded. There was obviously no point in denying it, as rumours had been flowing around the ESF quarters ever since the distress beacon had been received. This was the first ESF team to not only fail in their mission essentially get wiped out to a man. Even the two bioweapons that had been assigned to the team were unaccounted for. Though whether they themselves were responsible by going rogue, or if the entire team had been wiped out by the two they were hunting, had not been yet ascertained. Yes, there's no point in denying it, as knowing you lot, you've probably got a lot more intel on it than I do, and I was in the comms room when the call came in. Team's officially MIA, but given that we've lost all the tracker signals, including the ones assigned to the two bioweapons assigned to them, essentially means it can be reasonably assumed to be K.I.A. at this point. Or, they'd have called in by now. Each team operates on a very strict set of SOPs, so if they were compromised and scattered, they'd have used any available radio relay to send out a signal, though we do have their last known coordinates, Lana said. Cromwell nodded her head and actually seemed to relax. "'Well, it seems we can work together, Captain Lanner. "'You were right, of course, "'when you said they'd probably have more intel on it, "'the fate of the team, as it was our people, "'that were dispatched immediately after the call came in. "'But I wish to see if you would speak frankly and honestly with us about it, "'or whether regimental pride would make you attempt to either downplay it "'or conceal the truth. "'But you were frank.' "'And you were honest about it. "'So I do believe we can build a good working relationship "'between our people and mine on this,' she said. Lana felt his gluts clench. "'Looked like his instincts had once again been spot on. "'Well then, care to share any of those details on our missing team?' "'He asked, and Cromwell glanced at her fellow spectres, "'all of which seemed to share the glance as well "'as a nod that started with one and spread to the others.' killed in air action, every last one of them. The only bodies we haven't been able to find and recover were those of the two bioweapons and that of Corporal Fuller. Though, from what we read in the commanding officer's report, he was killed in a place the locals call the Glowing Sea, which is a radioactive wasteland far to the south of the area. Apparently he was working undercover within a local resistance group who call themselves the Railroad, and opposed to the slavery of the synthetics the Institute produce. And from what we've read, the details, they somehow recovered from the railroad. He managed to get into a fight with some death claws, and his armour got compromised. It detonated the fusion cores, causing a complete loss. The rest of the team appeared to have gotten into a firefight with the Brotherhood of Steel, and got themselves cornered. Though from what our people did report, they took down a good number of them, with them in the end. Now... Whether the Brotherhood took the bodies of the two bioweapons or whether they escaped is still currently up for debate. Our people within the Brotherhood itself are currently investigating this. But, as you can imagine, they do have to be cautious as to not compromise themselves, she said. Lana sighed heavily and nodded. The news that it was the Brotherhood angered him. But at the same time, it was a risk every ESF operative took any time they went out into the field though it did give him some comfort to know that the team had given the Brotherhood a bloody nose on their way out and had gone down fighting along with it. It was pretty much all one could ask for these days. ''All right, so I guess this is essentially leading on to the two loose bioweapons still operating in the arena then.'' Lana said and and Cromwell nodded. ''Yes, and what isn't common knowledge is the size of their team.'' We uh, aren't dealing with just the two of them anymore. As we've tracked them across the country, they've grown quite a following, and in influence as well. It seems that Number Seven has quite the talent for both diplomacy and drawing people to him. I can fully understand why Command is very keen to recapture him, but his power is nothing to be underestimated. The reports I've read and the pictures I've seen detail that he is very capable of unleashing quite a level of destruction when so inclined. Do not believe for one second that your power armor will protect you from him. If we encounter him, we must act swiftly and decisively. So it is my opinion that alongside our plan for dealing with our primary target, we have a secondary plan just in case we encounter him or his team, Cromwell said. Lana nodded and sat forward in his seat. What do you propose? He asked and Cromwell began to outline her ideas for dealing with the elusive seven number three should they be encountered in the field, which, to be fair, Lana actually hoped wouldn't happen. After working out the minutiae of the details for hours, the team finally had a working set of plans to go with, and he had a long list of requisitions to take to the quartermaster, which, once they were fulfilled, they'd be underway. So... Once he got through arguing with the quartermaster, which half the time felt like haggling with one of the scrap market merchants at one of the many settlements littered throughout the wasteland, he got his gear and the team needed, and they were finally assembled at the landing pads where their two vertebrates were waiting for them. As they were loading up, Lana could see the other teams loading into their own vertebrates, and he couldn't help but be a little awed at the spectacle of 48 of the high, most highly trained operatives in the country and 20 of the best intelligence operatives in the world had to offer, were loading up to launch a massive assault on Boston. It was quite the sight to behold. Lana loaded up his own two vertebrates with six ESF operatives per bird, two spectres in one and three in the other, which given the third member was Cromwell, she rode with him in His. He noted that, unlike his soldiers, not one of the Spectres wore power armour, or even uniforms. They were dressed completely in civilian clothing. Cromwell herself was dressed like a caravan guard, in blown leather duster with a thick woolen jumper along with some faded jeans. Their weapons were non-standard issue as well. While the ESF is a mixture of plasma and coil guns, they carried simple but well-maintained ballistic weapons. Cromwell herself was carrying an assault rifle that looked to be of Russian descent, but it still looked like it had just come off the production line. Though it did have a few aftermarket additions, like a laser targeting system and a suppressor. Any idea what the other teams are up to? Lana asked, looking at Cromwell, and for once the specter just shrugged. I'll give them this. Command sure played this one close to their chest. Though I do have my suspicions. If I had to hazard a guess, one team will be setting up a more permanent foothold in the region, especially as the Brotherhood has moved in and made themselves at home, and Command will not be happy about that, so they'll want to try and push them out of the area. Another thing that will be piquing their interest is all the sightings and reported synthetics. So good that they can pass for humans. They will most certainly wish to get their hands on technology like that, The other team will most likely be tasked in tracking down Seven and Three and their people, as well as our other two missing bioweapons, Cromwell said, leaning back in her seat. Hey, Captain, think the landing zone is hot, the pilot called suddenly and Lana leaned to look out the side door and look forwards. And sure enough, even from here, he could see large green shapes scurrying around all over this old satellite station as they approached it. All right, people, looks like we're going in hot. Spectres on your door guns, rest of you unhook and get ready to f- hot drop. Lana said, checking his plasma minigun and putting on his helmet, while Cromwell and the, another of her people got on the side door guns. Lana instructed the pilot to relay to the other what following them what was happening. Then, once they received an acknowledgement, they did a flyby in which he and his people all jumped out of the doorways the feeling of the freefall sent lana's stomach skyrocketing up into his throat as he shot towards the ground feet first to be fair this went against every single human instinct he had as stepping out into nothingness meant he was essentially falling like a fucking brick from the sky but that was one of the power armor's party pieces lana slammed into the ground with a massive boom as the armor shock dampening did its job and absorbed the impact "'allowing him to instantly stride out of the small crater his boots had made "'in the already cracked and ageing cement, ready to engage the enemy. "'There was a whole series of booms all around him "'as the remainder of his team hit the ground all around him, "'and almost immediately he heard the sounds of shots being fired and yells "'as they encountered resistance from the entrenched supermutants. "'Directly ahead of him, a door burst open from the side of the main building.' and the sight that emerged was a stuff of nightmares. Lana instantly recognised the deep green skin and mishmashed armour made from leather and various bits of metal that had been hammered into shapes, like pauldrons. Though, to be fair, they did little to stop the stream of high-speed plasma shot that now spouted out of the multitude of spinning barrels at the end of Lana's minigun. Before the mutant was even halfway out of the door, the stream of plasma had burned its way right through him, and into the next one directly behind him, causing both of them to slump forward out of the door and into a smoking heap in front of it. From above him, Lana could hear the droning roar of the door-mounted ballistic miniguns being put to good use by the Spectres and providing cover fire, which allowed the ESF to advance into the compound in order to secure the buildings. "'Stack up on me!' Lana yelled and a couple of his team joined on to him as he pushed in through the doorway that still held the two dead bodies wedged in front of it. The inside of the station was pretty badly trashed thanks to the mutants having taken up residence. Though thankfully they didn't seem to have bothered to try and force their way into the more sensitive areas of the station behind some locked doors. Seemingly happy just to take over the main floor and kitchens though it didn't take them long to flush out and eliminate the remaining mutants, who, rather than dig in and try and pin them down, simply charged at them with at the heavily armed soldiers with reckless abandon, screaming at them as they went down in a hail of gunfire from the entrenched soldiers. All right, looks like we're clear down here, and that means you're clear to land, Lana said into his local comms to the VertiBird pilots. Roger that, Captain, put him down now. Hope you guys are dragging those bodies out of theirs. I don't fancy our chances of handling it, Cromwell replied into the comms, which roughly translated as the dirty work was being left to the ESF, which was par the norm. It took far longer to get the satellite station cleaned up than it did to clear it, but once the bodies had all been dragged outside and lit up with a plasma grenade, which reduced them to nothing more than a pile of burning goo, Thanks to the insane heat these things produced, the team set about powering the station up. Thankfully, it just seemed to run on a type of generator that required fusion cores to run, which given the large surplus of the things the team kept laying around to keep their armour running, they had plenty of. So, they had plenty of these lying about. Didn't take them long to get the lights and the computers running. The screens had barely flickered into life, than when Cromwell's people were seated before them, hacking their way into the various systems. Lana simply let them work, as this was their area of expertise, not his. So while Cromwell oversaw the efforts to re-establish comms with HQ, he and his guys set about making the rest of the place both secure and, more importantly, livable. All right, take stock of that armoury. We're damn lucky the green morons didn't manage to find a way to get this bloody door open. "'We might have had quite a fight on our hands, hitting the ground, especially with that fucking thing lying around,' Lana said, gesturing to the fat man portable mini-nuke launcher, "'which was just sat on a shelf, complete with at least ten shells for it. "'He'd seen first-hand what one of those things could do, "'when he'd seen mutants wipe an entire f- town off the face of the earth with one, "'after the residents fought them off from coming in, stealing people away to eat.' Just one of those things had turned the entire town into nothing more than a smoking ruin. And he also knew that the mutants had absolutely no compunctions about just simply priming the shells and then running straight at people with them in a suicide rush. Looks like we we got lucky not only once but twice with the stupidity of those big green fucks, eh? Cromwell said, letting out a low whistle when she saw the fat man on the shelf. Yeah, I wouldn't have wanted to be fighting that fucking thing in close quarters, power armour or no power armour, Lana said, hooking his thumb in a gesture towards the large shoulder-mounted weapon on the shelf. Well, fair, we got lucky on our end too. The dish system is still operational, and after a little bit of realigning, we have real-time comms with HQ now. I took the liberty of informing them of our current status, she said. All right, so I am to assume... You'll be sending your people out into the field now, right? Lana said, referencing back to their plans, and she nodded. Yes, and as planned, I will remain here to maintain comms and act as SIGINT. My people have already identified what we believe to be Brotherhood communication frequencies, so while I work on cracking their encryption, you guys can do your thing, she clarified. All right, I'll send the scout teams out and see what they can dig up. And once we have something more concrete, we can then move in on it. Lana said in agreement before Cromwell saluted and turned on her heel to head back to the comm station, which actually Lana found quite odd. That was the first time he'd actually seen her use any military doctrine. They sure were an odd lot, these spectres. He split the ESF team back into three chunks now as planned, which was how they were far more used to operating anyway. Team 1 was to be QRF, or Quick Reaction Force, would remain at the station, ready to respond to any threat, while we'll also protecting their FOB. Teams 2 and 3 would head out to scout the areas likely where hybrids may be held up, for any sign that they were in the area. So, as the teams and the Spectres headed out, Lanner and his team settled in to aid Cromwell in the comms room which they turned into a some sort of makeshift command station with maps and satellite imagery of the region mounted on old cork boards around the walls. They left the majority of the security work to the two sentry bots he'd managed to wrangle out of the quartermaster for the task. So this left the one ESF team, one spec, and two pilots operational in the station. Though, as none of his team understood fuck all about cracking encryption... There wasn't a lot they could do until Cromwell struck lucky and managed to break through it. That's when things got a lot more interesting. There were numerous frequencies the Brotherhood used to communicate, so it took Cromwell quite a while to break through them, even with her impressive and rather odd-looking bag of tricks, which, to the untrained eye, looked little more than a Pip-Boy with a lot of wires and antennas jammed on top of it. But, in reality... Was a top of the line and very sophisticated cipher system. So, once she cleared one, she would assign it to a workstation within the comm station, and Lana would set one of his guys to monitor it for anything that they could use. Looks like the Brotherhood engaged in some kind of ground war with some kind of non human locals. Though, by the looks of it, these guys aren't mutants or anything we've seen before. They seem to be smart. Are using very highly sophisticated tactics, Cromwell said, drawing a ring around an area on the map which indicated the hot region. Our hybrids? Lana asked and Cromwell shook her head. No, from what I've managed to ascertain, these guys are some kind of avian species. Apparently incredibly good at guerrilla tactics and sabotage. They seem to have managed to fight the Brotherhood to a standstill. But from what another source i managed to intercept... One of their paladins held some kind of meeting with some ambassadors from them. Some kind of third party also acting as an intermediary. Though given the channels used for these, I believe it's not an officially sanctioned mission or a peace talk. Could be some dissension in the ranks over there possibly. Might be something we can use. Though I've already put out word to one of our people within the Brotherhood hierarchy. See if they can get any word on clearing this up for us she said. Interesting. Any word on who this third party possibly is? Lana asked and Cromwell smiled at him knowingly. You have a keen ear there, there, Captain. That caught my attention as well. Now, who is it do we know has a habit of siding with non-humans and has enough power and influence that it could possibly force the Brotherhood to the negotiating table? She asked and Lana's eyebrow went up. "'Think it's really him?' he asked, and she shrugged. "'No confirmation as of yet, but even if it's not him in person, "'I get the feeling that this is his doing. "'Fits the M.O. I've read. "'It's got his hallmarks written all over it. "'So if we can get a lead on this third party, "'then we might actually finally have a lead on seven. "'That would score some major brownie points with command, methinks," "'she said with a somewhat smug smile creeping onto her face.' "'Agreed. Keep on it, Cromwell. "'We'll see if we can point the search team in the right direction. "'This might be a major boon to us,' Lana said. "'Anything come in from the scout teams yet?' "'Cromwell asked, glancing at the map of the two search regions, "'and Lana shook his head. "'No, they checked in a little while ago, "'but they haven't found anything yet to indicate that they were ever there. "'But they're moving in to conduct a deeper search, "'so they may indeed drop out of comms range,' If they do have to head underground. What about your people? He asked. They've reached their assigned settlements and are currently questioning people, but nothing so far. These guys are good at staying under the radar wherever the hell they are, she replied. Well, I suppose that's understandable given the fact that they know they're being hunted, and probably not just by us, he replied. She raised an eyebrow in response to that. Who else would be after them? she asked. Well, the Brotherhood, for one. Didn't the brief impact say that the original intel came from intercepts from them? They're not known for their love of non-human species, he said, and, Kappa and Cromwell thought, nodded thoughtfully. Very true, though to be fair, I think the Brotherhood currently has its own hands full down here. Hell, I'm amazed they haven't found time or manpower to take, or, take out that other ESF team, she said. Sometime the dumb get lucky. Lana said bitterly. Don't underestimate them, Captain. That would be a mistake. They might be rigid in their methods, but we cannot deny the effectiveness of them, Cromwell said, and Lana sighed heavily. Yeah, I know. I guess I'm just a little bitter about it. Those were my people, after all, and no soldier likes to hear the failure of his own regiment, especially with one such a proud history as the ESF, he said, and Cromwell nodded in understanding. Yeah, I get that. "'All right, I think we should get some rest. "'We've got a lot of work coming our way, "'and it'll do none of us any good if we go into this half arst, "'especially given the players in this region "'who have already proven dangerous and hostile to us. "'We need to bring our A-game here, "'otherwise we're going to end up just like that other team,' "'she said, and Lana nodded in agreement. "'All right then, people, dismissed. "'Go get some rack time and some food. "'We'll all meet back here at first light. "'Let's hope tomorrow will bring us better fortune.' he said, and with that, the team broke up and headed for the newly cleaned-up bunk room, and Lardner to sit there at the table by himself, looking over the maps. He couldn't help but wonder to himself, where were they all hiding? Ah, so that was chapter 109, ladies and gentlemen. So it finally looks like the enclave is on the move en masse. This is going to mean trouble for not just Seven and his people, but for everyone in the area. But how will they handle it? Will they be able to root them out in time, or will they be able? To, will the ESF and their comrades cause them absolute chaos? Gonna only be one way to find out the answer to those questions and so many more. Gonna have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, "I'll see you all next time."